good day and welcome to Holding Fast. Thanks for being in the podcast. Let me into your day, hopefully to challenge you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our rock, is he not? How is your anchor holding today? Is it fixed firmly to the rock of the Word of God? Thank you so much for being here. We're looking at the Lord's pattern of prayer for His disciples. And I spent the last podcast talking about an introduction to this topic and want to continue with that same thought today from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. Uh, This is not the only time, actually, that the Lord probably taught His disciples how to pray There were frequent times when he would be traveling around in his Galilean ministry. He would come to one synagogue and move on to another synagogue. And he would just make the rounds to these different villages in order to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 4 verse 23 tells us. And so the Lord was frequently giving these same, if you will, seminars or teachings to different groups of people. As a matter of fact, the the same Lord's Prayer or Disciples' Prayer is mentioned in Luke chapter 11, verses 2 to 4. It's in a little bit different circumstance. But it's, it's a pattern that the Lord probably gave and mentioned frequently, maybe in different words or different circumstances. But that's in keeping with the thought that God didn't give us the Lord's Prayer as a verbatim thing that we would just mindlessly repeat. Uh, but at the same time, using it and its phrases it, to temper our prayers and to help us put in there what is the right uh, uh, pattern for how we should pray. So here is a standard for God's people, as opposed to the world. Many religions that are pagan religions today chant mindlessly uh, certain phrases and gibberish in order to think that that's going to get the attention of their gods. But Jesus says to his disciples that God has given us a thinking man's religion in order to relationship, if you will, in order to help us in our communion time with God. Well, if you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, you're also familiar with the fact that it begins by saying, Our Father, Our Father which art in heaven. In other words, obviously we're looking to Him in love and faith as the one who's who's near us and who is there and who's willing to listen. He's not some distracted deity who's unaware or uncaring about what you're going through during the day. Uh, when you call him our father, it, it literally presumes a personal loving relationship that you have with him, that you can reach out to him and call him. It's such an intimate term of communication. Uh, and obviously, if you're going to be on those intimate terms with God, your father, it's going to be preceded by uh, a genuine desire to obey and to submit yourself to his authority and his leadership and his fatherhood. And so when you're using that phrase, our father, it is a recognition of who he is and all of his majesty and in us and all of our finiteness and our limitations. It is a crying out to him and knowing that he is the one who can respond to our prayers. And there's nothing wrong with beginning your prayers with dear Jesus. It's not technically accurate because if our Lord said that we are to be praying to our Father, we understand that that's obviously the way we should begin. All prayer is to the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. But 
here today, I just want to focus on this a little bit uh, uh, in the uh, podcast in the time that we have allotted to us. The heart of every prayer of greatness in the Bible. Here's a great Bible study for you if you're looking for one that's going to be very specific and help you to take a trip through your Bible. I would encourage you to do so and look at all the great prayers of the Bible. I'm going to tell you that's a rich study. It is worthy of your time to take a pen and a spiral-bound notebook and be able to go through the Bible and document the prayers of the Bible and the pattern that they follow. And you will find that at the heart of every good prayer in your Bible, um, every great prayer seems to follow the exact same pattern. And that pattern, of course, is laid out here in Matthew. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8, Be not ye therefore like unto them, them meaning the Pharisees. For your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Verse 9, After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, that's the beginning of the pattern of prayer. Uh, Let me suggest to you that this pattern really is borne out throughout Scripture, and it is is backed up by how every great prayer begins. Uh, I think of Jonah chapter 2. Now, if I were Jonah and I were in the belly of a great fish, what do you think or what would you pray if you were in a fish's belly having been swallowed and you are in a very difficult position to say the least? It would seem like Jonah would say, God, get me out of here. But it's interesting when you read what happened as Jonah relates it, the marvelous song of praise and worship that comes from Jonah in that situation, because he knew that no man can really ask God for something unless he affirms that God has a sovereign right to say yes or no. Jonah doesn't begin his prayer in the fish's belly by saying, God, get me out. He begins his prayer by extolling how great and powerful and holy and just and righteous God is. In fact, Jonah quotes verbatim from many of the Psalms in, in his praise of God, even in that situation. I think of Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. Uh, you, his prayer was prayed in the midst of agonizing, terrible situation. And he uttered a prayer, actually, you know, when you're about to be thrown into the lion's den, uh, again, one would think that you would be so wrapped up in the perilousness of your situation that that would be what you would be praying about. But actually, Daniel's prayer ignored the situation and instead proclaimed the glory, the majesty, the dignity, the holiness, and the mighty character of a sovereign God. That's where his confidence came from. Again, in Jeremiah chapter 32, Jeremiah, who spent most of his life in disappointment and frustration, uh, Jeremiah, who preached many, many, many Sabbath days, he would often stand in the gates of the temple itself and preach and 
and, and call people to repentance. And, and we don't read of one recorded convert that Jeremiah ever had. And so he spent much of his life. That's why the book Lamentations, uh, he laments. He is the author there. He was the weeping prophet. But in his disappointment and frustration, he yet he still prays instead with a recitation of God's majesty and all of his attributes. That's a marvelous prayer in Jeremiah 32. I encourage you to go and to read it today and meditate on it. And then let me suggest this. In Psalm 86, David was seeking God's mercy. He was looking for his love and his compassion. He felt like that was something that was missing there or that he had missed out on. And I turn over there right now, even in in my own Bible, because I want to read to you something that was, it was... It was so encouraging to my own heart to be able to read what David wrote. In Psalm 86, and in verse 6, he says, Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. Lord, please hear me, he's asking. And my heart is burdened. And then down in verse 8, he said, uh, he said this, among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. He shifts gears in verse 8, and he begins not with a request, Lord, fix my problems, but with an affirmation of God's majesty and his character for who he was, for what he has done. And then in verse 11, he says, Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. And you know what? Verse 12 says, No matter what, he would. I will praise thee, Lord. No matter what happens, Lord. No matter what you do in my life. No matter what may unfold in my future and what will happen in my circumstances. He says in verse 12, I will praise thee, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. Wow, what determination that is there. And it's interesting that his prayer was not, Lord, please fix my problems. It was, Lord, help me to know you better. And I would suggest to you that that's the secret for having a prayer life that starts off on the right foot, not with a wish list, not with a list of demands on what you want God to do for you, but rather to be absolutely enamored and in awe of the holiness and the majesty of the living God. That's good counsel for us today. That's good counsel for you to hold fast and walk with Christ. God bless you. Keep your eyes on Him.